welcome to the Occam London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, and the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. In our previous episode, we discussed the Golem of Prague legend that describes how an artificial man was created out of clay by the Rabbi Lowe around 1580. And we also discussed the symbolism of this process in relation to the Kabbalah and also magic. We also discussed the methods by which the Golem may have been created, including the aspects of balancing the four elements as well as the use of magical names of power or word permutations, likely from the Sephir Yetzirah. We quoted a lot from a very unusual text that's known as the Sefer Niflaut Maharaj, or the Book of Miracles of the Rabbi Lowe, which, as we discussed in the previous episode, describes the process of creating the golem in detail. We also discussed how the Maharaj, or the Rabbi Lowe, was meant to have been shown how to create the golem in a dream, and then also how he needed four helpers to create the golem, one representing fire, one wind, water and earth. And we then found that the rabbi and his party were travelling at midnight down to the banks of the Moldavar River, there to create the golem, where they circumambulated around the golem until it became like glowing coals. In this episode, we will be continuing our examination of the legend that is related to the Sefer Niflat Maharaj, or the Book of Miracles of Rabbi Lowe. Before we carry on with the story, though, I wanted to briefly touch on some of the aspects of the words of power that were mentioned, that were used in the Golem of Prague story, and are also mentioned in lots of other stories of the Golem. As he previously related, words are a very extremely important part um, of magic, as they're deemed to contain both intention but also divine vibrations that echo with divine and celestial intelligences, divine powers. And if they're used correctly, they can bring about significant changes in consciousness according to the will of the magician. With regards to the words of power that are mentioned in the Golem of Prague story, obviously we can't know for sure what these would have been. However, some have theorised that they may have been words derived from the Tetragrammaton, or a process what is known as the Twelve Banners, and this is something that is mentioned by the Golden Dawn, Mathis McGregor, also Donald Tyson mentions this as well in his book um, Tetragrammaton. These Twelve Banners are meant to be connected with the, the Zodiac and would have been recited with each celestial quality, thus imitating the act of the supreme deity. This idea of creating the world through these 12 banners comes from the concept that the world and all of its dimensions and creatures are created through permutations of the holy name yod Hey vau Hey. As we saw in our previous episodes on the Tetragrammaton, the four-lettered holy name represents not only the entire universe, but also the four cardinal points, the four elements, as well as the four worlds of the Kabbalah. 
which are Atsaluth, Bria, Yetzirah and Asaya. In addition to this, the order of the letters of the Tetragrammaton can be transposed into 12 different permutations, three for each letter, which are said then to represent the signs of the zodiac, but also the 12 simple letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which would be He, Val, Zayin, Chet, Tet, Yod, Lamed, Nun, Samek, Ayin, Zadi and Kopf. These 12 permutations of the sacred name, or as they're also known as banners, are described by Mathis McGregor in his Kabbalah Unveiled. And Mathis McGregor was the one of the founders of the Golden Dawn. Um, he describes them as follows. The divine name is capable of 12 transpositions, which all convey the meaning of to be. It is the only word that will bear so many transpositions without its meaning being altered. They are called the banners of the mighty name and are said by some to rule the 12 signs of the zodiac. These 12 banners are described in the Sefer Yetzirah as follows, and I quote, These 12 letters he designed, formed, combined, weighed and changed and created with them the twelve divisions of the heavens. The twelve months of the year, and the twelve important organs of the frame of the human. Namely the right and left hands, the right and left feet, two kidneys, the liver, the gall, the spleen, the intestines, the gullet and the stomach. God produced hay, predominant in speech, crowned, combined and formed Aries in the world, Nissan in the year, and the right foot of the human. God produced a vow, predominant in mind, crowned, combined and formed Taurus in the world, Yiyar in the year and the right kidney of the human. God produced Zayin, Predominant in movement, crown combined and formed Gemini in the world, Sivan in the year and the left foot of the human. He produced Chet, predominant in sight, crown combined and formed Cancer in the world, Tamu in the year and the left foot of the human. He produced Tet, predominant in hearing, crown combined and formed Leo in the world, Ab in the year and the left kidney in the human. He produced Yod, predominant in labour, crown combined and formed Virgo in the world, Elul in the year and the left hand of the human. He produced Lamed, predominant in sexual desire, crown combined and formed Libra in the world, Tishrei in the year and the Gaul in the human. He produced Nun, predominant in smell, crown combined and formed Scorpio in the world, Markeshan in the year and the intestines in the human. He produced Samek, predominant in sleep, crown combined and formed Sagittarius in the world, Kislev in the year, and the stomach of the human. He produced Ain, predominant in anger, crown combined and formed Capricornus in the world, Tebet in the year, and the liver in the human. He produced Zadi, predominant in taste, crown combined and formed Aquarius in the world, Shivat in the year, and the gullet in the human. He produced Kopf, predominant in mirth, crown combined and formed Pisces in the world, Adar in the year and the spleen in the human. And that's a quote from the Sefer Yetzirah describing these 12 banners. 
As we can see from this passage, each of the banners of the Houses of the Zodiac is attributed to a part of the body. So it may be possible that with the Golem of Prague story, this may have been adapted to bring the divine energy into the simulacrum of a human being made of clay, whereby each banner would be recited or most likely vibrated to bring about a divine indwelling within that specific part of the clay body. Of course, we've got no evidence for this, um, but it's very interesting nonetheless. As we discussed in the intro, uh, in the previous episode, we left the Maharal and his disciples on the banks of the river at midnight. So we will now return to the story that is related in the Sefahar Niflat text. And I quote, Then the Maharal ordered his disciple, Yagov Sasson, to perform seven such circumambulations, but he gave him other combinations of letters. And when he completed his circles, the fire became extinguished, for water entered the body and mists began to issue from the body of the golem, and also became covered with a growth of hair like a thirty-year-old man, and also nails appeared on the tips of his fingers. And then also the Maharal performed seven circumambulations, and at the end of all the three of us recited the verse. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Genesis 2-7 For also in the air of the breath there must be found fire and water, for they give the word emesh, which is mentioned in the book of creation. There's multiple factors at work in this quote. Obviously, again, we have this uh, the number seven, the circumambulations around the golem itself. We've also, again, got this aspect of the union of the four elements coming together, united with the divine breath, which is obviously illustrated with the book of Genesis. The Genesis reference is also very important, as this is describing the, the moment when all human life began. If we read Genesis 1, it describes the creation of the universe. In Genesis 2, we get the creation of the human being um, is described and the Hebrew word for formed is used, which is Yisa. I might not be pronouncing that right. This word is normally used to describe the actions of a sculptor, an artist or a potter. So it's really interesting because you get this idea of God forming human life from the ground itself. Man is a lump of clay and it is through God's action that we become alive. As the quote says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The divine breathes into the man's nose, and this breath of life transforms this inanimate clay into a living being or a creature. Thus, the process of what Rabbi Lowe is doing is very similar. It's emulating that first creative act by the divine as mentioned in Genesis. It's also suggesting that man is given life by the divine and that it can be taken away. As the Apostle Paul states, who, is a, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light? From Timothy 616. Other aspects that are interesting in this uh, particular path, um, part of the book are the reference to the Book of Creation, which is obviously representing the Sefer Yetzirah, which is 
an old mystical treatise really about this creation and structure of the metaphysical world. Also we see the word emesh or emet which means truth. This is important because obviously it's the combination of the word fire which is esh and then mayim which is water and this this letter was meant to have been inscribed on the on the forehead of the golem and was also part of the process of animating the beam of clay. The legend says that when the aleph was removed, it leaves the word met, meaning dead, and so the golem ceases to be animate, animated. We continue with the story. So the Maharal and his disciples, they've done the circumambulations, they've sung their magical words, and so we continue. And I quote, then the golem opened his eyes and looked at us like a man amazed. Then the Maharal cried out in an imperious voice, Stand up on your feet. Thereupon the golem stood up. Then we put on him the clothes which we had bought with us, the kind of clothes which are suitable for a servant of court of law. And we also put shoes on his feet. In brief, he became like an ordinary man. He could see, hear and understand but did not have the power of speech in his mouth. And at six in the morning, before it became light, we went home, four men. This part's interesting, as we mentioned in the previous episode. Um, the golem's not meant to be able to speak. He's got this lack of the power of speech. And this is quite a common um, aspect in some of these stories about the golems. Um, speech is obviously an outward expression of one's inner thought processes. So perhaps this is symbolic of the fact that the golem did not have freedom as a human being doesn't have that spark of uh, spiritual light from the divine within him but rather he is a almost like a program um, simulacrum built to to serve the the people the story continues on the way home the maharaj said to the golem you must know that we created you out of dust of the earth so that you protect us from all evil and all the calamities which they suffer from their enemies. The name by which you will be called is Yosef. You will dwell with me and stay in the chamber of my law court. Your work will be that of a servant of the court. You must obey everything I order you to do, even to enter into fire or to immerse yourself in mighty waters, or to jump down from a cower until you carry out my command exactly as I shall order you. The golem inclined his, word, his head at the words of the Maharal, like a man who signifies agreement with the words of his friend. To us, the Maharal said that he gave the golem the name Yosef, because he put him into the spirit of Yosef Shida, who is mentioned in the Talmud, who is half man and half demon and who served the sages of the Talmud and saved them many times from great calamities. And he also said concerning the golem that even if he should enter into fire he would not be singed, and rivers could not sweep him away, nor could a sword kill him. And before the people of his house the Maharal said that when he went out early in the morning to the ritual bath, he found this poor mute man in the streets and saw that he was totally witless. Therefore he took pity on him. And brought him back to his house. And the Maharal gave strict orders to the people of his house not to employ the golem in the performance of any housework. And because the golems always sat in the chamber of the law court, in a corner next to the edge of the table with his head resting on his two hands, 
really like a lump of clay, bereft of all wisdom and understanding, and not thinking or worrying about anything in the world. Therefore people called him Yossel Golem, and some called him the Mute Yossel. The phrase bereft of all wisdom and understanding is interesting here, um, as those are also titles of Hochman and Bina, the supernal um, spheres on the Tree of Life. These Sephiroth uh, lie across what is known as the Abyss, where the invisible Sephiroth dart, which corresponds to throat and speech lies. Dart's known as knowledge, but it's also it's an interesting type of knowledge. Um, it's not knowledge from an intellectual point of view or belief. It's not knowledge in the form of words. It's not knowledge in the form of ideas or concepts. It's more a sort of knowledge related to the soul, kind of a conscious um, knowing of self in a way. Perhaps the reason the golem didn't have wisdom and understanding is that, you know, he's a, he's an artificial man. He's not created by God. He's created by um, the Rabbi Lowe. So he lacks that ability to know himself. He lacks that ability to know the spark, to recognise the spark within himself. So he can't gain that knowledge that will lead to wisdom and understanding on the other side of the abyss. Although he was created by a holy man who was channeling that divine energy through himself, man cannot create another being that, that comes through from from the divine so it's almost like he's a fake uh simulacrum like a, a program um which is interesting the story goes on from there the 10 years following its creation the golem has accomplished all its tasks and the people uh the jewish people of prague were safe again then rabbi Lowe decides it's time to dissolve the artificial man back into clay so he summons the same two disciples who met him in the attic room where the golem had lain sleeping in a cot. And they basically recreate everything they did, but in reverse. So the three stand together at the head of the golem rather than its feet. They walk seven times around his cot in succession, this time walking down past the left side of the golem, whereas in the creation they had um, been walking up past the right side. So it sounds like it's basically anti-clockwise this time. Um, and then they recite the same combination of letters, but in a reverse order. And at the conclusion of this circling, the golem turns back into a lump of hardened clay. So to conclude the episode, you know, the big question is, was the golem real or not? Was he a physical being? Was he a physical giant? I guess we're never really going to know. Certainly in the stories it suggests that the being was real and that it was a physical presence. Some magicians and scholars have also theorised that the the magical ritual that was performed may have been on a more spiritual level really. So it's kind of creating conditions whereby a celestial or an angelic intelligence would enter the figure and reside within it. Um, very similar to the process of creating a talisman um, in ceremonial magic, whereby one would purify the the materia, consecrate it, and then it would be invoking a specific spiritual power into the talisman itself, usually with the 
combination of you know magical figures, uh, uh, words of power, etc. Um, and then obviously that would be tuned in to a specific thing. So it could be um, you know a love talisman. It could be a talisman to bring about health or wealth, whatever. So it could be that it's something a bit like that. Um, and they, you know, talismanic rituals are effectively can be seen as being a kind of initiation of inanimate matter or a baptism of inanimate matter. The clay figure of the golem would effectively become a large talisman that would then act as a mediator with a divine entity. It could be an oracle for divination. There's also similarities between the story of the golem and aspects of magic that are described in um, texts like the Greek magical papyri, um, elements of the you know, Solomonic tradition as well. We have the ritual cleansing. We've got the use of soil or dirt to form the body and then the magical words and blessing and magical names to activate or deactivate. Um, if you want to explore some of these ideas, Further, um, there's a good book called by Moshi Idel called Jewish Magic and Mystical Traditions um, that's worth checking out. Whatever the case, the story of the Golem um, continues to fascinate and impel many people to visit Prague each year and also to watch the movies and read about this. The idea of man acting as a god and creating a living being out of clay is, is like fascinating and I really think there is much in this story that shines light on our search for artificial intelligence in the modern age which could almost be seen as a modern version of the golem and you know many people have said that technology and magic are very similar or they're kind of on a on a same kind of um, trajectory whatever the case that's all we've got time for this week but I wanted to end with a poem from the beautiful medieval poet Solomon bin Gibberol, entitled Before My Being. Before my being, your mercy came through me, bringing existence to nothing to shape me. Who is it conceived of my form and who? Cast it then in a kiln to create me. Who breathed soul inside me and who Opened the belly of hell and withdrew me? Who through youth brought me this far? Who with wisdom and wonder endowed me? I'm clay, cupped in your hands, it's true. It's you I know, not I who have made me. I'll confess my sin and will not say the serpent's ways or evil seduced me. How could I hide my error from you when before my being your mercy came through me? Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Ockham London Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. I hope you enjoyed it and good night.